church family, you're finding the book of Colossians chapter 3. We'll begin to read in verse 1 for a few moments this morning. We'll speak to you on this subject, responding to the resurrection. Responding to the resurrection. Colossians chapter 3, we'll begin to read in verse number 1. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can, and are able in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. Where the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, begin to read in verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that God, your Holy Spirit would challenge us and speak to us. God, as we pray every time we gather together, it is my prayer that your Holy Spirit will convict the lost that are here this morning of where they stand spiritually, their need for you, judgment that will one day come against them if they don't turn and receive Jesus to be Lord of their life. And God, I pray that you'll challenge your church this morning. I pray we'll really examine daily how we are responding to the truth of the resurrection and where that places us spiritually. And God, I pray that if we found, we're found lacking today, that we're not responding in the way Paul challenged the church in Colossae so many years ago. God, I pray that we'll experience uh, your renewing touch as we turn from our sin and our uncommitment to you and wholly surrender once again to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. God, I pray whatever needs are found in every heart, you will shine light on that. And God, as you call us into your will, we'll respond obediently today as you draw us and call us. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Now, I invite you to be seated. Last Sunday was uh, Easter Sunday, and the church celebrates on Easter uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ died, uh, he was buried, and three days later, victoriously, he rose again. Uh, last week, we looked in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 10, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote these words to the church at Rome, uh, again, detailing what Christ accomplished for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. He says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, that is, now our sin has been taken away, through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his, his life. Uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 12, a text we'll look at tonight. Paul says, we were, when we responded to the gospel, we were buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him 
from the dead. And so Paul begins in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, if then you were raised with Christ. Well, what's he saying? He's saying, has there ever been a moment where you responded to the gospel? In John chapter 3, verse 7, you experienced a spiritual birth. That is, spiritually, you died, but then you were raised with Jesus Christ. If then you were raised with Christ. He says there's some things that should be evident in your life. There should be some responses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only that we give mental assent that he died and he rose again, which is a fact proven in Scripture uh, by the witnesses who saw it, but we're to give a response to how we've responded to the personal resurrection that we've had. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul says, You who are dead in trespasses to sin. That's where all lost people are spiritually standing. But when we turn to Christ, we're able to experience new life in Him. John 10, 10. It's not only just life spiritually, but life more abundantly that we can only find in Christ. And so he gives them a question. If then you were raised with Christ, and he begins to challenge them in five responses that every believer should have to the resurrection. Uh, we've shared with you before through the process of discipleship four responses every believer is to have to God's Word. We're to know God's Word, stow God's Word, show God's Word, and to sow God's Word. And so those literally don't line up, but they do rhyme together. Well, we've alliterated these today, but they don't rhyme, so you'll just have to memorize them. These are five responses to the resurrection. You're to seek, to set, to slay, to strengthen, and then to share. All right, everybody got that? Did you get them written down? I'll share them one more time in case you didn't. We're to seek, to set, to slay, to strengthen, and to share. What's that mean? It means I got five points to my message this morning. Somebody say amen. All right, number one, our first response to the resurrection is we're to seek. Look what the Bible says in verse number one. If then you were raised with Christ. And friend, again, if you've not been saved, you can't begin to respond to the resurrection in any of these ways. You need to respond by turning from sin and trusting Christ to be Lord of your life. But once you've done that, verse 1 says, seek those things which are above. Uh, it's we're to seek heavenly things. Verse 1 continues on, where, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. And so Paul answers, you know, well, where is Jesus Christ uh, post uh resurrection. Where did, where did Jesus go? Well, the Bible again details at the conclusion of Luke and also at the beginning of Acts 1. They led them out as far as Bethany after ministering for 40 days, and he rose and ascended into heaven. Well, what's he doing in heaven? Well, the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of God. He has sat down from all of his work. And so Paul says to believers, once we've trusted Christ, in our daily life we're to seek those things which are above. That word seek literally in the Greek means to strive after. It means to, 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 to agonize after. That is, daily we're to be seeking heavenly things. It's the same word that's used in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, where the disciples were beginning to worry about how their uh, needs would be taken care of, not their greeds. And we're so prone to worry how we're going to pay for bills and to pay for all of these different things. And so Jesus laid out a very simple truth that we can rest in by faith. He says, but seek ye first, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. That is, once you've trusted Christ to be 
Lord of your life. You're to keep on seeking Him daily. There's a throne that's on your heart. You can't see it, but it's there. And when you're born, one person sits on that throne, and it's you. You don't have to look far. Just be around a a child, and you'll see that. Sweet they are, but selfish they are also. It's all about them, me, mine, not about others. That only comes when Christ sits on the throne of your heart after salvation. And so Jesus says daily, not only salvation, we're to seek him to be Lord of our life, but we're to continue daily to take us off the throne to seek his kingdom reign of our life. And when we do that, when we're constantly seeking after Christ, agonizing after Christ, agonizing through what? All the things that the enemy tries to throw at us, the voices of the enemy, the, the, the voices that he tries to speak through where you're so important and, and, you know, and, and follow your heart and you, you deserve to be happy. You, you deserve all of these things. You, you're, you're so special. You, it's all about you. And friend, all of consumerism is based in that. Instant gratification, it's all about keeping you happy. And I'll remind you, friend, the Bible doesn't say one thing about God even being concerned about us being happy. His first desire is that we be holy. And the only way that that can happen is when Jesus sits on the throne of your heart, and friend, you are dead last. Absolutely dead last. Christ is first, others are second, and you're last. And so Jesus emphatically says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then all these things shall be added unto you. And so Paul says the first response to the resurrection is after we've trusted Christ, we're to daily seek the things of God. We'll look tonight in more depth, but chapter 3, you may not share something really strong with you. Chapter 3 follows chapter 2. Okay, and so we're going to see in chapter 2 tonight, Paul lay out all of these thoughts and ideas that the Gnostics were trying to share into the life of the Christians there at Colossae. All of these ideas, these religious ideas that they needed to be doing and they needed to be involved in to more fully experience God and experience Christ. And he's going to refute all of those things. And, and so here he is again, and we can look at the end of our text in verse 11. He says, Christ is all and in all. What Paul is saying is this, Christ is our sufficiency. Everything that you need in life, both spiritually and physically, is found in one place, friend. It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul again says, your response to the resurrection, since you've been raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above. Don't don't focus on all of these things that we're going to look at tonight in chapter 2 that build up really to the Lord's Supper. He says, don't don't follow after those things like like lost people. You you seek after Christ first. Let Him be Lord of your life and then in all ways. Because all of these these ideas, these religious things, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 17, these things are just shadows. They were, they were just shadows of who Christ was going to be. And in their proper place and in the right time, early in the Old Testament, they were, they were intended to be a, a thing that were to be a shadow to point to the substance. You know, it's, it's as if, you know, you know gentlemen, when you, you first saw, you know, the love of your life, you know, that you're just, you know, that you're... Your girl, you just you loved her, ladies. You know, you saw your man for the first time, and, and there they stood in the sunshine, and you walked over and you just started trying to hug the shadow of them on the ground. 
And you're just like, man, what a good-looking shadow that is. That is cast on the ground. Look at that. I've never seen a sharper-dressed shadow in my life. I'd love to go on a date with that shadow. I'd love to sit and have a, have a conversation with that shadow. That shadow is some kind of good-looking. I'm telling you, I want to get to know. You say, but Chad, you're making no sense. And I'm not, friend. It's, the shadow is not where it's at. It's in the substance of the shadow. It's the person that the light is shining against that made the shadow. That's who you want to get to know. What Paul is saying is this. All of the Old Testament ordinances, all of the feasts, all of those laws, they were just shadows of who in the fullness of time would come. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11, he's our all in all. So Paul says, don't seek after things that are just shadows. And you, you say, now hold on. You say, well, that's not me. You know, I'm not involved in any of these cults, and I'm not chasing after all these spiritual things. My friend, it's not just spiritual things. You can be chasing after anything in this world, and if you give more time and more attention to it than Jesus Christ, it is an idol in your life. And I don't care, friend, what it is, whether it's a hobby, whether it's athletics, whether it's the pursuit of more money, whatever it is, if you give more time and attention to it than you do the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, that's what you're seeking after. And Paul says that's an idol. He says, don't do that. Don't live like a lost person. He says, our first response to the resurrection is to seek those things which are above. Amos chapter 5 and verse number 8, one of my favorite uh, minor prophets. Jesus again is speaking. Uh, I mean, the Lord is speaking through, through Amos, trying to call the northern kingdom to repent before judgment came in 722 B.C. And they were, they were going after all these idols. And we've already began to see that in our studies on Wednesday night through after the, after the death of Solomon. And there was a civil war in Israel. And ten tribes went to the north and Judah stayed to the south. We've already begun to see wicked king after wicked king. We saw Ahab and Jezebel interject all of this cult worship and all of this Baal worship in the north. And so they were seeking after these things. And listen to what God says through Amos in verse number 5. He says, Seek me and live. Do not go to Bethel, which was where the capital of the, the false worship was, nor enter Gilgal, nor path over to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity. Bethel shall come to nothing. Listen to what he says in verse number 6. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like a fire in the house of Joseph and devour with no one to quench it. You who turn justice into wormwood and lay righteousness to the rest of the earth. Now listen. They were chasing after all of these false gods, friend, who didn't exist any more than your imaginary friend does. And this is what he says. Seek after God. He made the Pleiades in Orion. He turned the shadow of death into morning. He makes the dark day. He makes the day as dark as night. He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. My friend, my encouragement to you is this this morning. If you're seeking after something other than Jesus Christ, you need to put it away. It is of no eternal value for you if you can't keep it. In, listen, it's okay to hunt and fish. It's okay to have a hobby. It's okay to play athletics. It's okay, whatever these things are, friend, to occupy some of your time. But my friend, when it becomes what consumes you, it has become an idol. And if you can't manage it, you ought to put it away from yourself. He said you need to seek first those heavenly things. Strive 
after Christ above all. But listen to me. You ought to do it because you love him. You ought to do it because you love him. If you're in a place in your spiritual walk, you hear me this morning. It's like, well, I'm, I'm serving Jesus, but I'm afraid if I don't, he'll give me cancer. I'm afraid he'll burn my house down. I'm afraid I'll lose my job. Friend, I want you to listen to me. I'm not true to my wife because I'm afraid she'll divorce me. I'm true to my wife because I love her. And you ought to be true to God and seek Jesus first because you're afraid of him. You ought to seek him because you love him. It oughtn't to be a burden to the child of God to seek heavenly things. It ought to come natural and it ought to be pleasurable because you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's our first resurrection to the response is to seek. Number two, not only that, but we're to set. Look what the Bible says in verse number two. Set your mind then on things above, not on things of earth. So we're, we're, to, we're to seek, we're to strive after heavenly things, the things of Christ. But the next response to that is then to set our mind on things above, not on things of earth. And we've said it many times, you know, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And I've shared to you examples of that before. But all, there's balance, friend. But also don't be so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. There has to be balance. We, we are walking through the earth, but we are not of the earth. We have to live in this world, but we're not of the world. We have to live in the lost world to reach lost people, but it's not to, to grip our lives. The Bible says we're constantly be setting our mind on spiritual things. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23 and in verse number 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible says it literally, in, in, in my words, it is a man thinks, so is he. You personalize, as Chad thinks, so is Chad. You personalize that, friend. What you set your mind to and on, that's who you are. Now, I'll ask you a question this morning. What is it that occupies your mind the most during the day? What is it that, when you've just got downtime, what is it you think about? When you first open your eyes in the morning, what's the first thing that really begins to consume you and begin to guide? I know there's things we have to do. Hygiene, we have to eat. We have some of you have to take medicine. Listen, I've got, I'm old enough now. I've got the little pill box. I've got pills I have to take of the morning. I've got to have a little oatmeal on my belly when I take my pill. But then listen, the first thing I'm going to do of the morning, and I'm telling you this is my church, I, it's not I have to read my Bible. I want to read my Bible. I'm going to learn something about God. I'm going to learn something about me. And I know this, friend. It's going to help focus my mind so that I can attack the day in the way that God wants me to. Because there's an old man Paul's going to talk about here in a minute. He wants me to look at the world in a different way. And it's all about me. What I can do, what I can get. It's all about, it's all about me. As you think, that's how you're going to be. That's what the Bible promises. What you set your mind on, that's who you're going to be. And so he says the second response is to set your mind on things above and, and not on things of earth. Don't be consumed with worldly things that perish. Friend, they do. Everything, friend, that's not grounded in the gospel and in the word of God, I want you to listen to it. One of these days, it's going to burn up. It's going to burn up. And so many people waste the best of their life, the best of their children's life, 
giving themselves and chasing things that have no eternal value whatsoever. None. They, just, they wait like sands through an hourglass, friend. Listen, time in your life, it is, it's, it, is, it is just drifting away. And so many people waste the best parts of their life with things that have no eternal value whatsoever. They give the majority of their time. Well, 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 why should I set my mind on these things? Why should I set my mind on the things of heaven and not of earth? Look at your Bibles in verse number 3. He says, because you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He says, when you trusted Christ, friend, listen, that's the last decision that you were ever to make for yourself again. Did you hear me this morning? When the Spirit of God convicted your heart that you were lost and drew you to salvation, the last decision that you ever made for yourself was to trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. After that, He makes all the decisions. Your life, your breath, your finances, everything belonged to Jesus Christ. So why should I set my mind on heavenly things? Because Christ commands my life because I died. And now he lives his life through me because he raised me to new life. Well, what things am I to set my mind on? What are, what are heavenly things? Studying his word. That shouldn't be a burden for the child of God. Friend, that's how God's... Wouldn't you love to hear God speak to you? I mean, now, listen, I'm, this isn't a trick. You know, we're talking about what a day that's going to be. Isn't it going to be great when our faith is made sight and we can look at Jesus Christ and hear him speak back to us? I mean, that's going to be great. Amen? It's one, I mean, literally, we're going to be able to hear him speak to us. But friend, until then, we can read his love letter every single day. I can open God's word and hear from him every single day. And I submit to you the reason many believers don't turn to God's word is they don't want to hear what God has to say because of conviction. They're not where they need to be. They're not doing, they're so focused on them and things that have no eternal value. To turn to God's word, friend, is conviction. I'm telling you, friend, listen, I could stand up here and I could preach the three little pigs. Now, I'm telling you, whatever the sin is that's in your life, that's all you're going to hear until you deal with it. People come to church and say, well, one person say, well, all the preacher does is preach on reading the Bible. All the preacher does is preach on witnessing. All the preacher does is preach on tithing. All the preacher does is preach on drinking. No, I don't. All your preacher does is preach through the Bible. I'm telling you, friend, whatever your issue with God is, that's all you're going to hear from every single text until you deal with it. That's the reason many people don't open God's Word. They don't want to hear what God has to say about where they are spiritually. But when you set your mind on heavenly things, friend, you want to hear from God. Because I know there's something in my life that's going to hurt my relationship with God, and I've got to get rid of it. There's something I need to be doing that I'm not doing. And that points me in that direction. His Word does. Service. I set my mind on heavenly things by, by serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Stewardship of my life and all things that He's put in my trust and fulfilling the Great Commission. Verse number 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you shall also appear with him in glory. This is a reminder, friend, that he's coming again. Praise the Lord for that. Listen, this, this isn't it. We're here for just a moment. Jesus is going to come again one day. Either by graver air, friend, we'll see him one of these days. 
And I, I just believe somehow, I just feel in my heart, friends, so we, I just believe this could be the generation that sees him in the rapture. Isn't that going to be great? Just one of these days, friend, just to be walking along serving God, and then the moment in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be called up with the Lord. Isn't that going to be great? Well, you wouldn't know it from you. I believe with all my heart, I read this several years ago, I believe the average Christian is more excited about a trip to Florida than they are the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, I'm telling you, one of these days, Christ is going to come and rapture us out of this world. No more spiritual warfare. And so that's going to be great. But there's a side truth that's with that. When Jesus comes again, friend, we're going to have to stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible teaches that very clearly. At Romans chapter 14 and verse number 10, we're often, and very true, we look to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10, but in Romans chapter 14 and in verse number 10, the Apostle Paul clearly says that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That means that every believer is going to give an account to God for what we've done with our lives. Why, why does Paul put that right there after set your mind on things above? Because listen to me, if you didn't set your mind daily on spiritual things above, friend, then you didn't accomplish those things that God's going to hold us accountable for. Do you see that? It says, you know, you go to work. Some of you were still working years ago. We don't know what you retirees do now, but when you were working, you go to work, your boss says to you, I want A, B, C, and D accomplished today. That's what I expect for you. We need this done today. Okay? And we'll check back in with you this afternoon. Well, if you just sat and played solitaire on your computer or went from workstation to workstation talking to all your buddies, then when the end of the day comes and your boss comes to see if A, B, C, and D is done, it's not going to be done. It's because you didn't set your mind to do the job that your boss hired you to do, and he's going to hold you accountable for that by handing you a slip of paper that says you're fired. And what Paul is saying is this, friend. God has called believers to live on mission. He's given you a spiritual gift to use within the life of the church. He's going to hold you accountable for the stewardship things that he's placed within your care to be a spiritual steward of. And if you didn't set your mind on that daily, friend, you're not going to do it. You won't do it. And so he's saying that at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to give an account. Therefore, in order to be found faithful... Set your mind on things above. Third response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ is to slay. We've seen we're to seek, we're to set, but we're also to slay. Now, we've, he says, if you then were raised with Christ, jump to verse number five, therefore put to death your members which are on earth, and he begins to list various different sins. He says daily, not just at salvation, but every day. Friend, listen. You've, when you trusted Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, you, you have a friend now who's going to stay with you all the way to heaven. His name is the Holy Spirit. And thanks be to God for him, because now you can be a new creature in Jesus Christ. But here's the bad news. You've got an old friend that's also going to stay with you until the day that you see Jesus Christ. And that's the old man or the old woman. That's who you are without Jesus Christ. That's the flesh you. It's, they're always going to be there. That you is always down deep inside. And there's a war that's taking place every single day 
the flesh and the old man is trying, to, is trying to get victory over the new man. He's trying to get you not to seek. He's trying to get you not to set. And so Paul says the answer to all of this is not to try to find a truce, not to try to find a peaceful way to, to coexist. Can't we all just get along? Paul says the way to deal with this is to slay the old man. He says you, you have to put the old man to death that wants to sit on the throne of your life. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 13 says this, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. That is your body. Unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Friend, listen. When you got saved, you not only gave your life, but you gave your body to the Lord Jesus Christ. All of you belongs to Jesus. And it's to be used for His glory and the upbuilding of His kingdom. And so in order to respond to the resurrection, the new life that we have in Jesus Christ, you have to put to death every day your body. You have to be mindful that those desires are still there. If you ever come, you, know, you hear somebody, you know, cheated on their spouse. You know, it's like, well, boy, I'd never do that. Friend, the Bible says, let him that stand take heed lest he fall. You're already halfway there. Think you're standing in your own power. Well, I'd never embezzle from my company. You're already halfway there. Friend, there is not one single sin that exists that anyone in here, including me, is immune from committing. Any of us could do it. We've got to realize that the only victory that we can have is to... Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ every single day. Ephesians 5, 8, 10. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with His Word. Your Word have I hidden in my heart that it may not sin against you. And when the Spirit of God shines light and says, Hey, there's a sin. There's temptation. You need to be watching. And His Word begins speaking and say, That's not right. The Bible says he'll, he'll make a way of escape. And we've got to respond to that, and we have to flee. But the way we do that every single day is just to slay the old man. That is, when, when you realize those desires are coming, be it to watch some movie, to listen to a joke, to view something with your eyes, to indulge in something, whatever it is. Friend, listen, when the Holy Spirit starts making the bells and whistles go off in your mind, can I get a witness? And saying, listen, there's trouble ahead. You better stop. You better not go a step forward. Friend, listen, what the Bible says, you've got to slay that and say, no, sir, devil, I will not. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you, flee from me. And the Bible promises, my friend, he must flee. But listen, you better flee also. You better flee also. The Bible says you're, 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 to, you're to, to slay the old person. And so he begins to give a list. And we're not going to go through every one of these I'm running out of time, but verses 5, verses 8 through 9 list all of these things that mark the lives of lost people. And he says in verse number 6, because of these, the, of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. He says, in which you yourself once walked and lived in them. What's Paul saying? Don't live like a lost person. Won't you listen to me this morning? How many of you who have been saved and raised in the resurrection with Jesus Christ Really want to lead somebody to Christ. Would you, would you raise your hand? Uh, even if you don't, you know you have to raise your hand or somebody's going to think bad about you. Won't you listen to me? If you're not daily 
living a life of righteousness, you have no platform to stand on. How are you going to win somebody to Christ when you talk like a lost person on the job? How are you going to lead somebody to Christ when you're out drinking with everybody at the Mexican restaurant and on vacation? How, how, how are you going to lead somebody to Christ? You know, if, if you laugh at, you know, well, you know, I cheat on this and I cheat on that. You, you, you just laugh about breaking the law like it's, a, you know, just a common thing. How are you going to lead anybody to Christ if you're just constantly running down the leaders of our country who we may not like how they lead, but the Bible says we are to pray for them and not to talk bad about them? How are you going to have a platform to stand on? Friend, I'm telling you, you won't. Because lost people are going to look at you and say, well, man, if they're going to heaven, i got to be going to heaven. And that's why he says, you know, you've got to slay the old man. Friend, I'm telling you, the battle is real. And this is the same Apostle Paul friend, in Romans chapter 7, verse number 15. Listen to what he says. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that is to slay the old man, to live for Christ. Paul says, that I do not practice. But that which I hate, sin, he says, that which I, that's what I do. Paul was trying to be an open and honest with the church at Rome and say, listen, my soul desires to live for Christ and him alone. He says, but there's a battle that takes place every day. The spiritual battle for your soul and your testimony, friend, it is real. And the only way that you can have victory over that is every day is to slay the old man. And the only way you can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit to surrender to Christ's lordship and just continue to turn away from those desires. You just continue to turn away, to turn away. No, that's wrong. I'm turning to Christ. Flee from self, flee to Jesus. The battle is real. Nothing casual about slay. You know, you ever hear that word say, you know, what you, what are, what's something fun we can do? You know, well, let's go slay something. You know, nothing, nothing casual about that, friend. It's ruthless. Paul says we're to be ruthless with our sin nature. Fourth response, we're to seek, we're to set, we're to slay, but we're also to strengthen. We're to strengthen. Look at verse number 10. He's listed all of these sins that we're not to do, but here's something we are to do. Verse 10 says, and, and have put on the new man now. You've, you've, you've killed the old man. Verse 9, do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds. That's not you anymore. It's who you used to be. It's not who you're supposed to be by, by God's grace. He's going to keep working on you. But you've put on the, the new man or the new woman. Now look at this. Who is renewed in knowledge, not only once but daily. We're, we're continued to be renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When you trust Christ to be Lord of your life, you're a new creature in Jesus Christ. The old you's dead, and there's a new you. And part of repentance is this, friend, listen. Repentance is, it's not only, it's not only present sin, but it's all future sin. You want to be free from all sin. And Jesus knows, you better hear me this morning, Christ knows. When you prayed to receive him, if you truly meant, I turn from all my sin. You can't repent and keep living in sin. You have to turn away from all of it, no matter the cost. You've got to turn from all the sin that's in your life. And daily then, though, friend, there will continue to be challenges and adversity, sin that will come into our life. When's the best time to repent of a sin? As soon as it happens. As soon as it happens. You know, listen... 
some of you may do this, but you just got poor hygiene if you do. I mean, if you get filth on your hands, you don't wait till next Sunday to wash your hands, right? When's the best time to wash your hands? As soon as you get them dirty. You know, get the gunk off of you before you get it in your mouth and get it in your body. My friend, as soon as you get gunk in your life spiritually, you need to get clean right then. You need to be renewed. And one of the ways that we do that is to continue to turn to the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now listen, that's our life of full surrender to Christ's lordship. But listen to the practical application of this in verse number 2. He says, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing, my word, but same, same translation, but the strengthening of your mind. A renewing is, is a, a cleansing, but also a strength of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. That's why Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 10, you've put on the new man, and he is renewed once, but also you're to be renewed daily in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Friend, you've got to continue to turn to God's word and learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to be conformed to his image. God's desire is for you not to look like you, but to look like Jesus Christ. Everybody loves, you know, Romans 8.28. This is one of my favorite verses. It's a great promise that God works all things out together for good. Those who belong to him, it doesn't matter what the hardship, what the adversity is, somehow, someway, sometime, God's going to work that out for good. But do you know the reason and how he works that out? It's for the purpose of verse 29 that gets very that doesn't get quoted very often. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. God's desire, friend, is for you to look like Jesus Christ, not the old you. Not the old you. And so daily we're to need to be strengthened and we're to be renewed to where we look like Christ and we don't look like ourselves, according to his image. The Gnostics, they said, oh, there's a higher knowledge that you can know if you practice in all these do's and stay away from all the don'ts. But look what Paul says. You're to put on the new man renewed in knowledge, the full knowledge that can only be found in Jesus Christ, to know him, to be known by him, but to know more about him every single day. And my friend, you will not learn any more about Jesus Christ than you can find in his holy word. That's where you learn about Jesus, is by the study of his word. That's how we strengthen our lives spiritually. The fifth response to the resurrection, and I close, is this. We're to share. We're to share. Look what the Bible says again in verse number 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. It's a reminder again, friend, of what Satan wants us to become numb and anesthetized to, and it's this, that lost people without Christ die and go to hell. You know, we hear of a tragedy, a plane crashes, there's a bus wreck, or, you know, there's a tragic shooting somewhere, and a bunch of people are like, man, it's terrible, man. You know, 59 people died today. That's true, that's tragic. 59 people lost their life on earth. But you know what? The mature disciple of Christ realizes this first. 59 people just stepped into eternity. It's not just that 59 people just died. 59 people stepped into eternity. And those who stepped into eternity without Jesus Christ, they're burning in a place called hell now. 
That's the reality that we're, we're, we're to come back to. The, the resurrection, friend, listen, the cross stands as a divider. All those who have responded to Jesus Christ, the cross stands between us and hell. But for those who have not trusted Jesus Christ, the cross stands between them and heaven. It's a reminder again that those who have not responded to the resurrection, look at verse 1, those who have not been raised with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. We've responded. Those who have not responded and have been raised with Christ. These all, God's wrath is going to come upon the sons of disobedience. But he's a reminder again, verse 7, in, in which you yourselves once walked. Paul's trying to make a point. You used to be that way. You were once lost. Well, how did you get saved? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. For, for this church, it was because Epaphras brought the gospel back and told them what Jesus Christ had done in his life. Paul traveled from city to city. He told people what Christ had done in his life as he traveled. Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus. And friend, our, one of our greatest responses to the resurrection is to go tell people what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Not just so they can get in church and have somewhere to go and have this, I'm so sick of hearing this word, so they can have some community. Now friend, I could care less what community people have. My desire is that they don't die and go to hell. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And how shall they hear unless somebody tells them? That's what God's called the church to do. Show the Lord you love Him by going and tell people what He's done to a lost and dying world. My friend, I was reminded when I read the article just this week, again, of how absolutely spoiled we are, and especially here in the South, in this this oversaturated with the gospel. I'm just a practicing Baptist, all dogs go to heaven place that we live here in the South where there just seems to be such apathy and indifference, friend, for what Jesus Christ has truly done for us. No excitement about the rapture. No excitement about the things of God for so many people. So many people. Let me tell you about a brother in Christ. I read an article about a man, he was a pastor in New Delhi, India. This was the article. His name was Yalam Shankar. A pastor was slashed and shot to death in front of his family March 17th by suspected Maoists. Yalam Shankar was killed outside his home in Ngapali village in India's Chichangara state. The six masked assailants slit his throat, shot, and then stabbed him in the chest. Later, they kicked him to make sure certain he was dead, according to a report by the Morning Star News, quoting his daughter-in-law. She's and Yalam's wife witnessed the attack on this man. According to a note left on his body, the People's Liberation Guerrilla Army, which is part of the Communist Party of India, the Maoists, was responsible for the murder, as is a common method for Maoists. The note accuses the pastor of being a police informant. In January, a notice directed at Yalam and 21 other Christians by name warned them to leave pastorship of the Christian faith or suffer the consequences. The Christians were told to return to worshiping tribal gods or they would be killed. Now that's what Christians in India are dealing with every day. And here we sit free in the South, apathetic and indifferent. 
I pray God will stir us up into revival in these days. Jesus came, suffered, and bled and died, friend, so that we could escape a devil's hell. I pray our response to the resurrection these days will be, friend, we will seek those things above. We'll set our mind on heavenly things. We will slay the flesh. We'll strengthen ourselves daily through the study of these words to be more like Christ and less like ourselves. And that God will push us out of our apathy and indifference and we'll seize the freedom that we have that this guy never had. And we'll go and share what Jesus Christ has done, not only with our lips, but also with our lives. You say, boy, I love Jesus. You know, friend, there's an old saying that says, what you do speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. You know, have you ever heard that before? What you do speaks so loud, I can't even hear what you're saying. I say I love Jesus, but what I do really shows whether I do or not. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, it's my prayer if there's one among us that's never been saved, they've never responded to the gospel, that God, as your Holy Spirit convicts them, only he can, and draws them to salvation in you, I pray they'll choose to turn from sin and trust Christ to be Lord of their life today. Even right now where they sit, God, they'll cry out just like this. Oh, God, forgive me a sinner. I turn from my sin no matter the cost. I believe Jesus died. I believe he rose again. And I want Christ to be Lord of me. Save me, Jesus. Be Lord of my life. Mold me and shape me into the man or woman you want me to be. If you prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to step forward. I want to encourage you what God wants to do next in your life. Child of God, what has your response been to the resurrection? What has it been? Can you daily say before God with a clear conscience, you are daily seeking those things at all times and always, those heavenly things. Is your mind set on heavenly things, not on things of the earth? Are you daily trying in every way and always to slay the old you that only Christ might be seen? Are you seizing opportunities to strengthen yourself or allow God to strengthen you through the study of his word, surrender, submission to it? And are you sharing? Are you seizing every opportunity to share? If God's convicting you and you're not, have a new beginning in him this morning. Respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, friend by giving your whole life afresh and anew to him. Father, speak to your church. Challenge us. God, I thank you for brothers like this man in India. God, we'll see one day. Bless his family, God, wherever they're at. God, there's a widow there. I pray you'll send believers around her that will help her, help meet the needs of that family. And God, break our hearts. God, to be more like him who was all in in all ways. I pray that's the way you'll find us faithful when you return for your church. Strip away the apathy. Strip away the indifference. God, move us to action in these days. That's my prayer. Let's reverently stand our feet. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed.